in the last episode, uh, you interviewed a very special guest. A very, very special I guest. I felt she was quite specialist. eloquent. You, you did? You felt she was quite eloquent? Yeah. Um, I mean, she made us look like they're gibbering idiots. <laughs> the, the thing is that I didn't want to sort of have a full-on debate with her about it. At the end of the day, she feels a certain way about that scene, and, uh, and I just wanted to get her... Her thoughts on it. Well, I really identified because because I'm also married to an Israeli woman. Um, woman, yeah. I, I really understood what she was saying about um, their reaction to things that they aren't expecting or aren't used to being. Whoa, that's weird. Right. Um, so so let me just give a little bit of context here. Uh, my wife Michal uh, was on the podcast last week, and I asked her about the ending to Raiders of the Lost Ark because, in her opinion. It's weird. Here's a clip. You come to this really fun movie, a lot of adventure, and I was so hooked, and I loved the script, and I loved the characters, and I loved everything about it. I had so much fun, and then I get to the end, and I'm all of a sudden in a different movie. Okay. And, and then I got confused, because where am I? Right. So they're opening like a casket. They're opening the Ark of the Covenant. Yes, right. and then there is like this huge light coming out of it. Right. And whoever sees the light. And then and, and the ghosts. <clears throat> and the ghost. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. And then there's a ghost. Yeah. When you watch a movie, and the first like 10 minutes, or the introduction, you have some sort of a contract with the director, or the screenwriter, mm -hmm. about which genre you're in. And you can't break that contract so late mm -hmm. in the movie. So there's something very interesting about her, the way that she sees it, that she's like saying it's a very jarring change. Um, yeah, I wonder how she'd take from Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> like if she wasn't, yeah. if she was a horror fan, which she isn't, because she said to me tonight as well that like sometimes there are genres that are mixed up. Like you have like maybe a fantasy film that has elements of horror in it, mm -hmm. and she doesn't like that at all because she doesn't like to have. She doesn't like horror. She doesn't like to be scared. She doesn't like jump scares. Like, she always says to me, why didn't you warn me? And I, and I would say to her, well, I haven't actually ever seen this before, so why would I know? <laughs> of but, course uh, it's your fault. Right. It's always my fault. <laughs> she's like, oh, God. She doesn't like... She, she always gets a little fright whenever a balloon bursts. So she has a phobia of balloons. She doesn't like it when they go... She doesn't like things with small holes in them either. Yeah, she's got a thing with clustered holes. Like, uh, <laughs> if you Google the, uh, the lotus flower, you'll see what I mean. And it kind of does look like a pockmarked face to be honest uh, she has a problem with pockmarked faces well if it looks like uh you know like bubbles in a pancake as if somebody's being like fried yeah it's like it's got it's like a prickly feeling i wonder how the polyjuice potion scene from uh, chamber of secrets oh. sort of would would make her react I've i think that you that. should show that to her <laughs> and film it for me yeah she's anyway, seen it before but i'm wondering how how she how she'd take it if i showed it to her out of context anyway so i kind of disagreed with her just about how jarring it was because, I mean, you know, to each their own and everybody's cup of tea is either weak or strong and you like it or you don't, Marmite. Right. But, like, I I think that, you know, the the whole progression of the scene, it goes very quiet and then the equipment goes and there's a little bit of confusion and then this thing happens with, like, this, you know, the creepy sort of... The, I've always felt that the uh, arc music... Yeah. is is sort of ominous in and of itself of like course it's, it is. Yeah. it's extremely ominous um yeah. but like it kind of has a a beauty to it and then as the characters are saying you know oh this is beautiful and all that well mm -hmm. belloc says it yeah you're kind of along with them that was the point that i made last time then you listen to the music and you played the music right there in the episode it kind of has a moment where you can almost see John Williams going, okay, now we're going to, we're going to give them a second, and then it's going to transition it's into this. Turn, yeah. um, and it transitions so quickly into horror, um, and so does the scene, and we are supposed to be just as shocked at it as the Nazis are. Right. Um, and I think that it's very, very effective. I don't actually feel that it's particu particularly horror-like. I mean, the music's a little bit... Well, I mean, um, there are the, the melting faces and the exploding heads and the... It's just know. gory. It's not particularly yeah. horror-like. I mean, I there mean, are ghosts. If you want, if you want yeah. to keep it. I mean, you know she's not here, right? You don't have to... No, but I'm, <laughs> I'm saying, like, I said to her that there is a, there's a precedent for it. And it follows through in all the other Indiana Jones movies. And from what I hear, the movie we're about to see tonight, Dial of Destiny, also has a pretty out there ending mm -hmm. um, that uh, that will either work for us or it won't. Mm -hmm. um, but the whole point of 
establishing the arc, the whole point of all the exposition that we talked about in the previous episode and sort of building up the mystique around it is to preempt that scene. Yeah, there are markings all over the movie yeah. about how dangerous this is going yeah. to be. I think that it's it's great that it kind of springs it on the audience like that because you're going along with Indy the entire way through in your skepticism. Yeah. And, and, and I'm thinking about this now as somebody who has seen the movie a million times and has seen all the subsequent movies a million times. Yes, even Crystal Skull. And it just, it, it's a given for me. But putting myself in, in Michal's shoes, uh, it's kind of, I mean, she saw it for the first time while we were together and we've been together for 10 years. So yeah, recently. Yeah. So it's something that probably snuck up on her and, and was not, it didn't really have a precedent. For I'm her. just interested. I'm interested that the response is that's weird. And not yeah. that's horrifying. Well, because as, as she I think said, that's it's an Israeli response. thing. Like I think even if she were to say, I don't like it because it's horrifying. Yeah. Right? That's completely a legit response because that's what you're supposed to feel. Right. Right. But I'm wondering if uh I I think it's an Israeli thing. I'm sure that your wife says that as well. It's she does weird. about a lot of stuff. Right. And I'm wondering if maybe when you hand a script to Gal Gadot, maybe she'll be like, I don't know, this ending, it's a bit weird. You know. <laughs> so hmm. What? <laughs> I, well, I, I'll, I'll need to check next time I hand Gal Gadot a, a, a script. A script. <laughs> All right, well, that's fizzled out now. <laughs> I'm sorry, was I supposed to take that and run with it? Here, no. have this bag of poo. Run! Run, boy, run! The papers? I have it, I've just read mine this morning. Run. Run. All right, let's have an episode. Yeah. What's our seat number? Hello and welcome to What's Our Seat Number, the podcast that you're currently listening to. I'm Johnny Gross, a freelance filmmaker who does jobs that have as much to do with films as piano moving does to a John Williams. It's like, hey, I'm a conductor. Well, I make chopsticks for a living, and in theory, those could be used to conduct an orchestra, so it's kind of related. <laughs> with me, as always, is my brother. We found him, dusty and becobwebbed, at the back of a booby-trapped cave in a stone tomb surrounded by snakes, bugs, rats, and killer ants. He's a 3D artist and published game designer. It's the one and only Simon Gross! That is the best way that I've ever been introduced into anything. As a, it, it, We found him in a becobwebbed. That was great. Well, I think we should go over to, uh, to the news desk. It's yeah. time for some movie news. Movie news. So first up is a, is a no, piece of... No, you have to come up with a funny name. <laughs> oh, fuck me. It's hot in here, and I'm melting... I'm David Corrin Sweat. Nice. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> because the first bit of movie news here is the fact that Rachel Brosnahan and David Corrin Sweat have been cast as Lois Lane and Superman, respectively. And this has been all over social media to the point where people were writing things like, has anybody heard about the casting of Superman yet? I'm, I'm, I've been waiting for it all day. Does anybody know who's been cast? Anybody? Anybody? Very gifted so, comedians. What a talent indeed. the internet is. So, yeah. it's But it seriously has been like that. It's been constant. Like every so other So why post. would you bring that to movie news if it's not news anymore? Well, I mean, it, it you is just still kind of current news. and relevant, don't yes, you? Yes, indeed. But I, I think that uh, he looks the part. I think that she's amazing. So yeah. I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. Flash failed miserably at the box office this week. Uh, at least it's uh, behind Warner Brothers projections because... Uh, to us, you know, 35 million is uh, is a bit of a chunk That's of change. Quite a, quite a bit of money, um, yeah. yeah. So during its opening weekend, it grossed an underwhelming 55 million at the domestic box office. In its second weekend, that dropped a, dropped 72% to a mere 15 million, with some pundits already predicting that this will be a box office bomb. It's been said that Flash may lose Warner Brothers a whopping $200 million. Oh, boy. That's not good. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the thing is that a lot of people are complaining that it's because... Anybody that says a bad word about the movie wants the movie to fail and has some mm -hmm. kind of agenda against the DC uh, universe somehow, or uh, against James Gunn. A bad James movie Gunn. is just a bad movie. There's a reason for it, and it might not necessarily be because of that, but I don't think it helps. Mm. Uh, there's more AI controversy as uh, Disney and Marvel use AI for the Secret Invasion title sequence. Have you seen this? Do you know anything I about know it? I know about this, yeah. Yeah. Backlash from both artists and fans was quick and severe. Says John Lamb, a storyboard artist on Twitter, this is salt in the wounds of all artists and writers in the WGA, WGA strike. 
and Jeff Simpson, a concept artist, even stated that he spent almost half a year working on the show, drawing character designs, and he was devastated to learn that Marvel outsourced the work with AI. I side, obviously, with the artists. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm, I often endure a lot of eye rolls from friends and people in my life when I say that AI is a very scary thing for everybody yeah. and for artists. I'm not an alarmist. For editors as well. Yeah, I also saw. Yeah. Um, I'm not an alarmist that says it's the end of the world. And, you know, I think that there have been some really cool things. And, you know, like I've used uh, ChatGPT for certain, uh, you know, like how to phrase an email or something. right? Right. You know, here's the information I want to put in. Can you make it sound more professional? I think that the problem with it is when you start um, making deals with people that they get to do a job and then you turn around and do something else. Right, which is apparently what happened here. Yeah, that I, th- I think I think there are many problems with it. I think regulation is something that is impossible to do, but everyone's calling for it. Yeah. Um, there need to be laws around it, but people are still going to break them. Yeah. Um, and I think that the sort of practical thing to do is think, how do we best incorporate these tools into our workflows mm-hmm. in a way that uses it as a tool and not as a cheat right and that keeps people in work in their jobs and you know allows them to accept it as a tool and not as some sort of conquering element to fear to a discerning eye uh, to a professional eye you can definitely tell but it's only because the uh, the technology is still somewhat in its infancy and yeah. i'm fairly certain that it's going to get better as the years of go by of course it will and it's going to get harder to tell and that's when things are going to get much more difficult um, but anyway that's uh, that's a that's a chat for another episode that was movie news movie news I want to do a little pre-bit here. So what are your thoughts on this before we go in? Because there are certain things that, uh, there are certain expectations that I'm trying not to have that I inevitably will have. I'm not sure that seeing Indiana Jones when he's old is something I ever really wanted to see. But there are certain things that I'm worried about. The de-aging mm-hmm. I'm concerned about because, you know, I I sort of, I didn't like it in The Irishman. I didn't like that because you could tell that they were old yeah, men and how they exactly. sounded yeah, and yeah, how they yeah. moved. Yeah. And so that's just not going to sell it. I'm kind of excited to see Indiana Jones in, uh, you know, that era again in the 40s. Fighting Nazis as he should. Yeah, fighting Nazis. That's going to be cool. Um, You told me today that the ending is out there. Yeah. So a lot of people have been saying that if you're open and and you just sort of let it take you, then you'll be fine. But but some people might find the ending to be a little bit out there i'll say this i'm going in with an open mind yeah i'm trying to go with the government as with tim mention well. said yeah if you open your mind too much your brain might fall out right okay should we go watch the movie yeah roll it i'm retiring well in that case what are we drinking same for the goddaughter dad told me you found something on a train during the war a dial that could change the course of history. Why are you chasing the thing that drove your father crazy? Hitler made mistakes. And with this, I will correct them all. You stole it. Then you stole it. And then I stole it. It's called capitalism. This way! Fasten your seatbelt. There might be some turbulence. You've taken your chances made your mistakes and now a final triumph Indy! Give him hell, Indiana Jones! A few times in my life I've seen things I've been tortured with voodoo been shot nine times including once by your father Ah! Sorry! I've been looking for this all my life. Okay, so Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Yeah. 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 I really tried. I also really tried. I wanted to. I mm-hmm. so wanted to. I will say this. There were definitely Moment. places, yeah, 
There were definitely places when I thought, okay, 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 now we got going. The spoiler-free review is like this. Mm-hmm. It's completely unnecessary. It's full of wonky CGI, face replacement, forget yeah. the de-aging. There's, there's so much stuff. There's a lot of face replacement in places that you wouldn't normally expect. Yeah, and there are also there are also moments of of CGI douchery uh in in moments that could have literally been done practically. So I feel like that's a that's a result of a lot of movies nowadays where I just feel like as I was talking about with Flash that you had one Flash that was uh, that was computer generated like his face was replaced. Yeah. Which kind of pissed me off because there are movies from the late '80s that did split screen marvelously, and you can barely see the it's joint. It's such a, a a tried and tested effect yeah. that does not it it does not fail or disappoint. And if there's maybe a shot where something more complicated needs to happen, then sure. But yeah, I felt like there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of face replacement that was done out of necessity. For example. Harrison Ford wasn't available at that moment, or he was in his trailer or something. Or it's I don't know. too complicated. Or it's too complicated. No, well, I mean, the, the, he did the a shot, lot of stuff, but like he on did the do horse, a lot of stuff. There was on, a lot of stuff that yeah. he couldn't do. But he he said in interviews that he can ride a horse. I know, and he, he can and ride there a horse. are it's shots where he's obvious where he yeah. is riding a horse. But in the same sequence, there's a shot where uh, he's being led out of an alleyway mm-hmm. by the by the Nazis. And it's not him. Yeah. It's a stunt man with his face replaced. And every time he moves his head, turns his head or something, there's a uh, there's an obvious tracking wobble. So here's how I wanted to approach it, right? I was thinking to myself, this is going to be jarring. This is not going to look good. From the trailers, we can see it's not going to look good. Right. Um, try to invest yourself in the story they're trying to tell. Try to appreciate the That's exactly the fact what I was thinking. That it's... it's it's original Indiana Jones vibe, right? But it's not because it does. It's again. It's what we said in the intro, the or, or the pre bit. He sounds. It's like in the Irishman. He sounds like he sounds older, older Harrison Ford. He moves like he an moves older man like as well. An old man. Uh, his hands are shaking, uh, and also the jarring CGI. But look, within the context of the story they were trying to tell, I thought it was quite fun. Right, you know, and, like and the... I was I re- I was really trying to enjoy that opening sequence. That is classic Indiana Jones. Yeah. Even though because of the facial replacement, they played the whole thing out in in complete darkness. Yeah. The way that Douglas Slocum used to light these movies, and uh, and the way that Janusz Kaminski lit Crystal Skull, um, two very different cinematographers, but they both had a uh, somebody in common, which was Steven Spielberg. The style was to keep it kind of bright and contrasty. And I think that that's in general Steven Spielberg's style. Um, he likes to he likes to to light up uh, a space, even where you wouldn't normally see that much light because it's fantasy. Practically everything. I, I remember in a, in in the Spielberg documentary, somebody said that he, he everything is idealized because that's the way Steven sees the world. Definitely, when it comes to Indiana Jones, it's a it's a fantasy. And it's based on on these sort of rose-tinted memories of serials. And so, yeah, it should be lit like that. And this movie just seemed very dark in a lot of places and kind of drab and kind of drained of color. I think that James Mangold's strength was in Logan. There was a a slower, more sober sort of reflection. It was a very different kind of movie. He wasn't making an X-Men movie. And, and he wasn't making a Wolverine movie either. Exactly. He was making a movie about the sort of it was a character study. It's the same thing that Jason Reitman was doing with the first uh, hour and twenty odd minutes of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Right, and I he think was delving the, into the characters. I think that that's like a sweet spot, right? Yeah. Um, Especially I'm not if you're sure. going to do something different, very, very different. I'm not sure that I needed a sober reflection on Indiana Jones, <laughs> right? And we didn't get that. Um, but some like, of it, we did get some of it. We did, the, and, yeah. And the, I think the, the scene on the boat with Helena and all that. We we yeah. won't go into spoilers yet. Or we will. Oh fuck it! This is a spoilery episode of Indiana yeah, Jones. Yeah. Okay. If you wanted a recommendation, uh, was it better than Crystal Skull? I don't know. Was I'm, it I'm gonna, worse I'm than gonna, Crystal Skull? I'm going to say definitively. 
in my personal opinion, yeah. as somebody who has mellowed on Crystal Skull quite a lot in the last 15 odd years, mm. how, how long has it been actually? Oh, 2008, 15 years? Um, I would say this does not beat Crystal Skull for okay. me. I have managed to enjoy three quarters at the very least of Crystal Skull, and I know that the finale is coming. And, and you enjoyed maybe a quarter of this movie put together. I think so, yeah, because the finale of this movie, by the way, we talked about it in the pre-bit, the, it, it's been it's, warned. It's definitely, if it's you open your mind too much, your brain will fall out. Yeah, like, it's, it is it's so definitely quote-unquote out, out there, and it's kind of dumb as well. Like I, I was yeah. watching it, and I was thinking to myself, there are Who shades... this was good? There are shades of, like, it looks like Game of Thrones. It looks like the Scorpion King... <laughs> The okay. whole movie, I felt like everyone was doing cosplay. Right. I felt like Harrison Ford was, was doing, doing cosplay. cosplay. Yeah. Uh, the only person who looked like she was authentically belonging was was Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who was who did a fantastic she was job. Great. Yeah. I thought she was great. And there have been whispers of a Helena Shaw kind of offshoot. Mm. And and people always say, and I always say it as well, is that don't repurpose our characters and gender swap them. Ones give us new ones and hello that's a new one she's a new one yeah um so and she's she's a very compelling character she's a compelling ca- character very different shades of light yeah. and dark and she's a very good actress as well i find i think that she's funny mm-hmm. in general she's uh she's not your typical leading lady yeah uh she's got she's got an edge to her and she's got a look that's uh that sort of makes you feel like she's capable. Spoilers. So from this moment on, we are going to unleash the spoilers. Unleash the spoilers. If you haven't seen the film yet, and you were looking for a... It Does It Beat Crystal Skull? According to Johnny, no. And according to me, also no. I didn't I, think, I think that, that I'd be able to say I prefer Crystal Skull over another Indiana Jones movie, but I had a feeling tonight that that would yeah, be the... Uh, I thought look, so too. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking that if they would have taken this MacGuffin yeah. and this premise and and switched um, out Mads Mikkelsen and, and Mads Mikkelsen that, and switched out Helena for uh, switched out Helena for Ray Winstone gotten rid yeah. of Ray Winstone okay. and put Helena in there instead then it might have been a better movie yeah i was thinking like uh switch her out instead of Mutt. Uh, oh okay I'm not a that could fan yeah that could be i think that that would have been a lot better junk that that weird ass uh final leg and make it exactly how it should be which is that the dial does something to the bad guy that kills them in a horrific way what i was thinking about in terms of the dial was that maybe it would do something more akin to what happens to donovan in the at the end of last yeah, crusade yeah. but i they can't do that they again. can't do that again so i was hoping that if they did do time travel that it would be back maybe actually to the 30s or mm. 40s I need to digest this a little more, but I feel yeah. like it should have been smaller scale. Um, I thought that Voller's um, plan was actually a really good one. It would have been better if he had completely misunderstood what the dial does, and and therefore, um, you know, exactly the same way that, that all the know, others fail. all the others did. I think that the whole point is that the MacGuffin betrays the. Mm-hmm. The antagonist, yeah, and in this case, it it really didn't it didn't really. No, it was his death was completely inconsequential. Yeah, to but he else. he was a really good baddie, and I think that yeah. um, Spielberg's squeamishness to tackle the Nazis in uh, in Crystal Skull was uh, slightly to its detriment. Yeah, it did him a disservice. Yeah, because and Mads Mikkelsen was around at the time. Yeah, he just done. He just saying. done Chris, Casino Royale. That's what I'm saying. If they would have had him. For that, if they would have had all of the elements plus yeah. a younger Harrison Ford, because by now the way, that you in look Crystal, Crystal Skull, Skull, he looks great in Crystal Skull. But that's only when you compare him to how he looks right. in Dial of Destiny. Yes, because back when Crystal Skull came out, we were comparing him to how he looked in The Last Crusade. Yeah, but I think that there's a uh, th- there's an issue in general with Harrison Ford's. There's an issue in general with Harrison Ford's performance in this movie. And that is more or less the same the same complaint that I have about uh, Patrick Stewart in Picard, is that yeah. he's getting very old yeah. to the point where he can't 
say his lines with uh, with enough conviction to like there's a, there's a lot of bum line readings in there that uh, yeah. that kind of took me took me aback. You think he'd be proud of this? <laughs> Your father, his only daughter, selling her soul for bail money. Sounds quite cool when you put it like that. And it's not all bail money. Some of it's gambling debts. Helena, no, Helena. I just watched Shrinking and he was excellent in Shrinking yeah. completely pitch perfect it's almost as if he's doing uh, he's doing Dial of Destiny to close off a chapter I guess it's, it's and, an and impression he, of sure himself he, like yeah. it's, it's um, I think that it works his swagger works when he's of an age where he can swagger right. and in Shrinking he is playing a you know, therapist who is old and who has, uh, what is it? He has Parkinson's. Yeah. It's something that he can play. Yeah. And, and I don't think, you know, cause I was reading some stuff about, you know, people saying they didn't like seeing Harrison Ford in this movie and whatever, or they weren't looking forward to it from the trailers. People were going, Oh, you're ageist. And it's like, it's not ageist. I was thinking about this when the movie started, when we moved from, the prologue into 1969. Yeah. Uh, and I was thinking that when you watch a movie that stars one of your action heroes mm. and and you see them age, it it doesn't matter that they've aged if they're going to be playing their age. Yeah. But if you're watching an Indiana Jones movie or a James Bond movie or a Die Hard movie, you're expecting that character to do the things that that character has always done. And... Indiana Jones in this movie cannot do those Indiana Jones feats that he's been doing for the past four movies. Yeah. Because he's much older. While they're addressing the age and they do mention it quite a few times and it's a part of the story, at the same time, he's going off on an adventure where he still has to be the Indiana Jones we know and love. And obviously, if you're if you're a fan and you're going to see this movie, that's what you want to see. Yeah. Uh, so it's and, kind and, of... And that's that's kind of what you got in Crystal Skull, because you right. know, he did a lot of that stuff himself, and it felt more authentic. Yeah. There was... No, I don't remember there being face replacement. I'm sure no, there must, uh, must have not, been some kind of enhancement somewhere, but I, not I, that I can more remember. More or less, the first, the first time I really ever saw that was in Skyfall on mm. the... Uh, on the top on the of the bike. Grand Bazaar, yeah. and they replaced uh, both uh, Patrice's head and uh, and Bond's head, yeah. um, and and that was it was very jarring, and I didn't like it at all because I remember you didn't like it because I I'm quite happy to see the stuntman, yeah, because I'm going that guy's doing it, yeah. Whereas if I if I see face replacement, it's it's yanking me out of the yeah. scene. And and during the entire prologue, by the way, as as we were talking about, um, it starts off in 1944, and you're thinking to yourself, "Oh, this is like peak Indiana Jones." Mm-hmm. We've never got to see him actually during the war fighting the Nazis. Post 1939, we haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Um, and we've got here like a like a really great opportunity to see Indiana Jones in action fighting the Nazis. You know, in in 44, and it it just like. It took me out of it every time. The I think what they did was, by the way, the the deep fake shots that they showed in the trailer yeah. are the only passable shots in the entire sequence. And even those are not. Even those great. are slightly wonky, There's but they're of- they're much better than what we've seen before. And everything else around it is wonky. He looks like a a game character from a cutscene. Yeah, there's a lot of problems with the fact that it's set in the sort of darkness because the shadows have to pass over his face in a way that's semi believable. Right. And I found apart from the the janky tracking and the weird kind of blurred motion and And his hair. And his hair and his eyes which didn't, you know, look right and his yeah. His and blinking, the, like his mouth movements, like everything. Yeah. Also, the fact that, that the top I, lip curl to, is still not yeah, been solved. It, it's, it's not. The, it's still from from Cavill's mustache problems. Yeah. Oh it's, my god. It's like it's the same thing, and you cannot 
you cannot move the lips like that. Right. The lips move in a certain way. And and I don't know what what were they using? Were they using hand they weren't doing hand animation, they were doing deep no, fake, they right? They were doing like it's a it's a newer AI deep fake technology that pulls from his uh, from the entire Lucasfilm archive of all of his uh, all of his roles from American Graffiti to all the Indiana Jones movies to all the Star Wars movies that he did and they were able to take all of that information and paste it onto Which his is, face. Which is very, very impressive. It's in, very impressive. In, in, However, just, in just the fact that that's a technological thing that exists. Right. However, if you want to do something like that you can't just leave it to ai you need to give it to artists who are able to I'm look sure at they it did. and say well then then it wasn't done very well right no I, so my issue my issue everything my issue with it is is not necessarily the fact that they did it it's the way that they went about it we know that there's a lot of unrest in the in the cgi community yeah, in yeah. the animation community that um that they are overworked and underpaid as we've talked about in in a previous episode and the fact that they are overstretched there's not enough animators to yeah. uh, to a project um and they closed um they closed effects houses uh, left right and center during covid and after covid and the the issue is i think that they tried to do way too much with uh, basically a, a technology in its infancy yeah uh, and the and and obviously they had a lot of confidence in it because they kept cutting to him and they kept cutting to close-ups of him yeah. and and full facial close-ups in 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 bright light in the what in the I'm, train what i'm curious about is why didn't they go the route of what they did with luke skywalker in uh, the book of boba fett right because mm. while that's not perfect it looks really freaking good right and they have a younger actor mm. they are replacing his face I think that they did some uh, some voice modification to make it sound like Mark Hamill, and it does a, a really, really good job. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why are they using Harrison Ford as the the body double? It, it just doesn't make sense. If you're yeah. trying to sell the idea that we're looking at young Indiana Jones, the practical elements that are in the shot need to support that. While the concept was great, the story was fine, yeah, and uh, it was and fun. John Williams' music is, uh, as as usual, very, very, very exciting and uh, and uh, and pumping, etc. I thought that they should have gone the Last Crusade route, and they should have cast a young Indiana Jones mm. in his teens, mm. and have the Dial of Archimedes be something that he discovered when he was uh, on one of his adventures like during the young, the young Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones Chronicles. Yeah. Um, and, mm. and that would have solved that problem. Yeah. Because then you would have done... Uh, it, it would have done something that... I mean, look, obviously, they, they didn't have... You know, in, in the 80s, they had River Phoenix. Yeah. And he was just fucking fantastic when on my last rewatch of last crusade that i did for the episode we haven't recorded yet i watched that sequence and i thought to myself that he he was really studying harrison ford yeah he's got the that kind of smirk the lip curl mm. he's got the run that sort of bow-legged bow-legged run that he does yeah um he's kind of got the voice the sneer you know all of that stuff like and he was he was really 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 good yeah. and if they could have found a teenager who would have been able to do that repurpose that that story a little bit so that they wouldn't have had to use deep fake for the first 25 minutes of the movie yeah. and it was a long long sequence and the whole yeah, time i'm going i, I thought I'm, and i make it five ten minutes and i was you know, wincing it better, yeah. i was wincing it hurt me to see it because and and i know that people have been saying a lot that uh everybody's dumping on the flash for the cgi and what a ridiculous notion and cgi doesn't make a good movie or a bad movie but i'm sorry but you are being you they're trying to convince you that what is happening on the screen is real and every time something takes me out of it something that bad the fact that the main character looks like a oopy gloopy wobbly you know <laughs> oopy gloopy wobbly what is this Willy I, Wonka yes oopy gloopy <laughs> wobbly woo <laughs> what is the matter with you I am really tired right what you just said is like really hitting the nail on the head the argument about CGI yeah. right 
I also don't think that good CGI makes a good movie. However, it does play a really big part. If you're going to lean so heavily on yeah. that technology, if you're going to say to me this is real, used as a tool, yeah, right, to do what we can't do in real life. Mm-hmm. When you and and admittedly, you can't make Harrison Ford younger, as is proven right. with the rest of the movie, right? After the prologue, right? But you know, it it's not a ridiculous notion to say that a movie like The Flash or this one, that has so many CGI shots and barely one of them holds up. Right. It doesn't make sense to me. And I see a lot of stuff online about Kathleen Kennedy and how she doesn't know what she's doing and, you know, like a, a lot of I stuff don't, like that. I don't know that it's anything to I do don't with think that. that it's, I don't think that it's got anything to do with that. I just think that it's got to do with the fact that we are that they are just getting lazier. They're either using studios that have less um, experience and therefore are cheaper, mm-hmm. um, or they are less, they, they care less about the final output and the quality of it because it's a cash grab. Okay. That, that, that's my opinion. That, so my opinion is that they're trying to do too much and they're refusing to scale back the yeah, amount of shots. That could be it too, yeah. It's a kind of creative thinking that... In, in Hollywood could probably happen at the either at the pre-planning stage at the pre-production during uh, storyboarding uh, you know if they were doing tests and the tests weren't looking that great yeah. then maybe you didn't have to go all in with the deep fake yeah. and once you get to that point where you know it's it's not working so great so maybe cut away from Jones a couple of times yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean they, they, they were so confident in it and Harrison Ford himself was uh, was on the interview circuit just talking that stuff up yeah. so much. Basically, it ruined the essence of the sequence for me. And also, Mads Mikkelsen was de-aged. Yeah. And he looked uh, he looked too, uh, too buttery smooth as well. Yeah, it really wasn't necessary, I don't think. Yeah. I think that the solution might have been just to age him a little bit more in like yeah, with makeup in 1969 exactly he doesn't but look that old to begin he, he with he really doesn't they could have dyed they his were, hair black yeah. and left it at that and then in 69 you know given some prosthetics but yeah. moving on from there you have so, like this whole sort of look into like it sort of cuts to 1969 and he's like older yeah and he's not wearing a shirt and yep. he he's sort of that was know, what that uh, that journalist in uh, in Cannes was uh, was talking about where she said you look really great with your shirt off you look so hot or something like that and he said god has blessed me with this body i think you're still very hot <laughs> <laughs> and yeah and in the and 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 we, we were stunned to see you take your shirt off in the second scene. I mean, it's just, and and you've still got it. I mean, how do you keep fit? I've been blessed with this body. <laughs> Thanks for noticing. There's a whole lingering shot of him with his shirt off no i i was more pointing out the fact that he's he's living in squalor no one's interested in his lessons there's a there's a few visual cues that marion's left him uh, namely the document that says that they're separated yes. yeah yeah <laughs> yep absolutely and, and that was something that really annoyed me because it it's like paid off at the end of the movie i know yeah. we're not like jumping around and stuff but let's just talk about that for a second so in between Raiders and Crystal Skull. Yeah. She had a child. Right. And the and and left him or he left her or whatever it was. And then they got back together and they got married. Credits roll, everybody's happy. And then right. this movie starts up and they're not together anymore. Yeah. And He's then at the, the end of the movie, they're back together and everybody's happy. And it's just like, why do we keep on going round and round, round and round the Marbury bush? While I think the the four characters riding off into the sunset at the end of Last Crusade, while that is a fitting end to the trilogy, I'm all right with the fact that uh, the Crystal Skull ends with them getting married. Yeah. Because that can close off the, the character and say, yeah. well, there you go. He's rode off into the sunset. And these movies don't have to be about, you know, how miserable the character is. And, yeah. I don't need to see the older geriatric version of him. I don't need to see his hands shaking. I don't need to see him becoming irrelevant. What I need to see is a call to adventure, mm-hmm. his excitement about it because right. it's something that he knows about, um, maybe something that he's a little 
iffy on the belief system you know right. don't know you know don't know if i believe in all that sort right. of thing and then you know off to an adventure it's not something that he can do at this age in general it gives off of a vibe that's very sort of un-Indiana Jonesy. I think that James Mangold is a is a really good director. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was suited for this. If you were to ask me uh, who should be a Spielberg proxy, as it were, mm. I would have probably said somebody like J.J. Abrams, who's got that sort of sense of... And, and by the way, I'm a sequels apologist, so, you know, I haven't yeah. got, you know, got a problem with the sequels. Uh, and I, I thought that Rise of Skywalker was fun. But uh, but anyway, I, I think that J.J. Abrams has got that kind of style that uh, that he can just sort of tap into. I think that in, in general, if anybody else was going to direct an Indiana Jones movie, it would come with a massive stigma. And yeah, I, I nobody think... Nobody was going to be happy with I it. I think leave it the fuck alone yeah. and do more National Treasures or Uncharted's or, or whatever because... Yeah. Indiana Jones is a thing of its time. That's what we've said. Yeah. And, you know, they the only reason, the only reason to remake it, recast it, keep going with it, offshoot characters from it, the only reason to do that is money. There's yeah, no more course. stories to be of told. Course. And I, I This I, story did not need to be told. Yeah. That feeling of it not being an Indiana Jones movie comes from the fact also that Spielberg didn't direct it. Because Spielberg has a very, very specific style. That he's also not doing anymore. Like, it's not really the visual style that that, that he's been doing of late. And John Williams, you know, he'll he'll make an amazing score. Yeah. And that's not going to carry the movie, just like CGI is not going to carry the movie. Right. John Williams, he's a genius. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's a fantastic composer. And you would you can think about like how, how Steven Spielberg's movies would play without John Williams' scores behind them. Mm. But it's a, it's a marriage of the two. And if you have one element without the other, then, uh, then something falls apart. And this movie, I, I, I downloaded the score on Spotify yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I listened to the score and I thought it sounded amazing. Yeah. Uh, but within this movie, it didn't register as much, mainly because what was going on on screen wasn't gelling with the score as exactly. much. Exactly. He was doing a callback to a franchise, you know, that he'd already scored and, and he had that language already. And that that language is, is also something that fits with a certain visual language. And so when you, you know, if you don't have all of the, uh, you know, the spices and mm-hmm. the, the right foods, the stew, it comes out all uh, gamey and weird and not tasting right. Mm-hmm. I think that the movie only really got going when they go to Tangiers. Agreed. Everything that came before Tangiers and after the prologue was very kind of drab and dull mm-hmm. and wasn't particularly interesting. And we talked last week about the exposition in Raiders yeah. and how effective it is. Yeah. And there was a lot of exposition about Archimedes' dial yeah. uh, in this movie that just sort of fell very flat for me. It didn't excite me. It didn't make me go, ooh, what's this? It didn't make me sit on the edge of my seat and listen closer. It didn't do any of that stuff for me. Um, and it just that that entire sequence could have been so much better and it could have been shortened. It's and because I, the either the artifact's um, mystique precedes it Mm-hmm. Like the Lost Ark of the Covenant makes a yeah. lot of, you know, that, that you know what that is. Yeah. Uh, the Holy Grail the same way. But with the Jankara stones, with the with the with the stones. Yeah. Um, you know, you get to see sort of the devastation of the village first. Right. And you see what it what it does. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then you're told about it. And he brings it up. Right. So we didn't get to see any of what it does. We didn't get to see, we don't know anything about it we don't because know it's not about a known it. artifact. Yeah. It's revealed at the at the end. I mean, you get an idea that it might be about time travel. Uh and definitely reading about it beforehand, knowing what people were saying about the finale, I kind of guessed that that was what was going to happen, that they were going to go back in time and that was what was yeah. going to be outlandish. The dial itself and the uh what was the name of the tablet that they that the, they used the, to f- I've already forgotten. Yeah, I've for- exactly. That that's the problem. But that's the thing is that like, you know, if I say if I say to you um the thing that they find at the beginning of the movie that sets the whole thing off is the scabbard of Excalibur. Mhm. Right? That already makes you go, ooh. ooh right. Scabbard of Excalibur. Yeah, cuz you know what goes in there yep. and and it 
it could have all sorts of properties that you know carvings on it that lead you to the next clue right. you know there are so many ways that that can go um and you know finding a round table somewhere that mm. you slot it into and then it creates a map room like that's right. a really cool idea and then if i say to you um you know the leather buttress of the you know third age of empires of um cockney rhyming slang <laughs> then you know you're gonna go quite rightly what, what? <laughs> you yell barracuda everybody says huh what you yell shark we've got a panic on our hands on the 4th of july exactly uh, and so that's kind of if if any of you were wondering what the, what the, what this movie is like it, it's more the latter than the former right <laughs> I, I think uh, also in general there's a uh, there's there's a few elements missing that are very much uh, tied to Indiana Jones inextricably. One of them is the uh, the lack of a Paramount Mountain match car, mm-hmm. uh, which it kind of it kind of dissolves from the Lucasfilm logo into a lock on a door, yeah. like a like a sliding bolt lock and on a castle Kinda. door. Uh, but they I think they missed a trick by not dissolving the disney castle into the castle yeah that they were that they were in in uh in, well it's supposed to be in berlin uh, i think but it's actually in scotland that's where they shot it um but yeah so so the the lack of that and also at this point when they go to tangiers there's no map yeah and that I, annoyed you yeah i saw like, you go Ugh. i know i i looked at you and i like i lifted my arms up and i went hmm and you went what and then I like did a gesture of you like drew a, a map, li- yeah, a line, a line in the air. Um, where the fuck's the map? But when they go from Tangiers to uh, to Italy, to Sicily, we see the line. We see the line, but it's uh, it's been After Effects animated yeah. with a lot of motion blur and like uh, kind of changes the. It's just unnecessary. I feel I, like I appreciated the uh, the, the fact that it was there. <laughs> like I, it was yeah. like you know, great. Neither of us are into this, but yeah. you know, I mean, I'm not into this. The movie's not into it, but it's right. nice that you're you're trying to make it look like you are. So I I want to talk a little bit because we're we're kind of um, we're kind of trashing this movie at the moment, but I want to talk about the things that I did like. Um, when first of all, I like the fact that uh, Helena was double crossing Indy the whole time, yeah. and that she had her own agenda. Um, and I said it before, if you look at Ray Winstone's character, Jonesy, and she actually calls him Jonesy at one point. He goes, yeah. Jonesy. Mm-hmm. There's this scene in a in a kind of nightclub in Tangiers mm-hmm. that I really enjoyed. I thought was very cool. And there's like a kind of quasi Temple of Doom style um, skirmish going down, yeah. where you know people get you know punched with the exaggerated yeah, yeah, yeah. punch sound effect. And that was a fun little scene. Yeah, it was a fun little scene, but it it, it was over too quickly. So they, and then they there's sp- a chase scene with the tuk tuk, and that was actually pretty good as well. Yeah. I, I was I saw that in the trailers, and I was like, "Is this going to be?" That was actually one of the highlights of the film. I felt. Mm. Moving on to Sicily, where they start Sicily or Greece. They go. Oh, they go to they, they go, go yeah to they Greece go to Greece first for, for a dive for a dive because they have to go and find uh, the tablet that uh, contains the we can't remember its name yeah that contains the directions to the other half of the Dial of Destiny and uh, and on on that uh, on that trip they meet Antonio Banderas who mm-hmm. plays a frogman yeah uh, who is in the movie for very little time and doesn't really register as a character but he's there to sort of get them from one point to the next that was another thing I felt was that the the Nazi were killing people left, right, and center in this movie. Yeah, they were they were aggressive to the point where it was uh, where it was excessive. It was it was like, well, you know, they're probably just going to kill that person now, and now that person, he's probably going to die. Yeah, there was no tooth. Yeah, to what do you think of the diving sequence? You didn't like it. It was a bit naff. Yeah, it was a little bit naff. You can't really see anything. There are eels. There are eels instead uh, of snakes. She maybe she's going to leave him. She doesn't leave him. Yeah, uh, they find the dial. Uh, not the dial. They find the, the, the tablet, tablet with the directions to the dial. Um, the uh, the eels were supposed to stand in for snakes. Yeah. Also, didn't quite register. No. People don't seem to understand that when you set scenes underwater, it's slow and boring. That's what happened with uh, Thunderball. Thunderball. It's not all rubbish. I'm not trying to trash it and say there's no good work being done. Obviously, a lot of hard work went into it. It's just that it's so, as meh. you say, slow and meh. And yeah. and it feels like he should be doing more of 
the the sort of exploring caves because when they go into the the cave in Sicily yeah. in the next scene I was like oh this is really good actually yeah this is Indiana Jones um and the whole thing with the the little cavern with creepy crawlies was yeah. you know that was yeah. great yeah uncovering um, Archimedes tomb exactly and yeah. finding the piece and all mm-hmm. of that and the bad guy shows up right and, you know there's like th- there's some really great stuff and and then they shoot him and that's kind of where I was going. Are they going to kill him? <laughs> yeah. So I told you actually that I'd read that I wanted it spoiled for me. Just that one element that I wanted to know that he doesn't die at the end of the movie. Oh yeah. You said because they keep doing that. I forgot about that. Like Hollywood just keeps doing that. Josh asked me how the movie was. And I said, I don't know. I sent her a text. It's like, I don't know. Um, they didn't kill him. Yeah. And she was like, that's the bar. And I yeah. was like, yeah, g- yeah. In, in Hollywood, you got to kill them legacy characters. Yeah. So once you get to the, to the, to the finale, I thought that maybe my information had been wrong and that they were yeah. going to let him die. So um, they, they, they take, they shoot him in the chest and the, the Nazis and yeah. they take him on a plane. And I have a Helena, question though. Yeah. Did you get how the dial actually works? The dial points to fissures in time. Right. That are, that are coordinates like in the globe. Yeah, it's the like dial a itself is not sending them back in time. No, it points to pockets of energy where they can pass through, and it's uh, it's like a gate through right. time. Kind um, of, it's kind of precarious, to be honest. Uh, well, yes, it's a woolly. Uh, it should have been a time travel device. Yeah, you know, that's that, what I thought that, it was going to be. Spherical bit is the flux capacitor, and off you right. go. Yeah. Um, so this is where the movie truly, it just truly, goes off the rails. truly nukes the fridge in the worst sense of the phrase. I think there's going to be a new term for it. I don't know. The goes through time. As jumps goes, the fissure. Jumps, jumps, <laughs> jumps the fissure and gets attacked by Romans. Oh, my God. So they offshoot. Oh, by my God. It's the Indiana Jones version of Indiana! Yeah. Indiana! They offshoot by a, by a few centuries. Yeah. Uh, because Vola, uh, played didn't by take a, into account daylight savings, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, <laughs> Vola, who is played by Mads Mikkelsen, wants to go back to 1939, and uh, he wants to kill Hitler because he says at the beginning of the movie uh, to the the, they, they, sorry, the, the, the Americans the didn't, Americans win, didn't the war, win the war. Hitler, lost, Hitler it. lost it, which I thought was a really good motivation. That he right. says he wants that to... he could see all of the mistakes happening, and now he has right. a chance to right them, and he has a chance to replace Hitler as the as the Führer. Yeah, um, which is outlandish in and of itself, and it would have been great if that was his sort of delusion. Mm-hmm. D- that was his sort of delusional dream. World domination, same old dream. Our asylums are full of people who think they're Napoleon or God. But what actually happens is so much worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, that they go, so they go through the uh, the fissure in time. Oh wait, Helena um, stows away on the plane. On the plane. Yeah. Um, which I know that Uncharted is based off Indiana Jones, but. That, when Indiana Jones whole, starts copying its uh, yeah, its like the, that whole thing imitators. where she's on a bike and she she jumps onto the the landing gear and it takes her up into the plane and she waits. That's right. that's Uncharted three before the plane explodes, like mm-hmm. you know, and then jumping out of the plane also. Um, but like they they she's stowed away her her little uh, short round friend Teddy. Yes. Uh, I really expected the music to go every time he was on screen. I just he, he wasn't as kick-ass as no, uh, as Kihu Kwan, though. Round. Yeah, no, but he he he's. She says to him, "Do you know? It's such a pointless exchange." She says, "Do you know how to fly one of those?" And he says, uh, "Whatever type of plane it is." Yeah. And then he says, "No," uh, and then something else. And she says, "Well, you've never flown any kind of plane." And he's like, "I'll get it working." And it's like, "Well, if he's never flown any kind of plane, and you know that, why are you asking him if he can get that thing up in the air? You know he can't." Yeah, it didn't. didn't and then really he does. Much, didn't make much sense. None of it made sense. So he follows them through the fissure with an in, in another plane. In another plane. And they've ended up in what is it? It's in the time of Archimedes. In the time of Archimedes, where and they actually fucking meet Archimedes. The Romans are attacking. And they're firing arrows and stuff. Yeah, and like uh, spear-like things yeah. uh, hit the plane, and the plane starts going down. And Helena grabs uh, Jones, and they parachute out. Right. And he's like, "I'm gonna stay here, kid." 
Yeah. Also, we should mention that uh, Vola crashes in the plane. Yeah, the plane crashes, and then you see his mangled corpse afterwards. Yeah, that that's about it. Which is, I you know, I've always hated uh, Spalco's death in in Crystal Skull, mm-hmm. but it's better than that. Yeah. Come on. I mean, he's he's an evil Nazi. I give was him, really give him hoping a proper that death. we were gonna see him reverse back to I was worried that they were gonna yes that's what like I was a... worried we were gonna see that there was gonna be some janky uncanny valley fucking baby like there was at the beginning of Flash and uh, yeah okay so maybe they shouldn't have yeah done that. exactly um, and it just I, I'm I'm glad they didn't do that but I'm I'm also not very happy with what they did do <laughs> I want to clarify here that this is not some butthurt uh, fanboy reaction to this movie because I was excited to see it because it's an Indiana Jones movie. So it's kind of a butthurt fan. No, but the fact that it... No, I'm saying the fact that it wasn't particularly good doesn't bother me either way because I know that I've got the original three. You mean to say that you're not having an emotional reaction to it? No, it's not a no time to die situation. No. I'm, I'm observing that the ending was really over overblown and overworked you have to be able and the amount of screenwriters in the credits by the way kind of belies that yeah <laughs> you have to be able to uh um critique a film yeah and give your opinion about it mm-hmm. without other people saying oh you're just a fanboy like it's it's like when i when i don't like you know a game yeah um and people say oh that's just because you're a sony fanboy and it's like it it's not this is this was not my cup of tea yeah and you can enjoy that and that's fine and other people might watch this movie without the same kind of um you know blinders on that we have you know because because we love the original trilogy and we know how indiana jones is supposed to feel and other people were also they were fine with the ending of no time to die they were like oh this is this is breaking new ground and this is an amazing different thing but the issue is that was a continuity that uh that spanned five films that were all within those two decades yeah so it's not like it's not like well crystal skull came almost 20 years after last crusade so there's a big break yeah. there. And now Dial of Destiny is coming 15 or so years after Crystal Skull. So the, the there are big breaks in between these movies. And by that point, I'm just like, well, it doesn't really need to happen. No. Uh, and so I can really sort of take it or leave it. And, and the rest of it is like kind of, all right, that, that happened. Doesn't, doesn't the ending just kind of feel like it comes out of nowhere? So... Archimedes comes yeah. and Indiana Jones is saying that he wants he to wants stay, to stay here. he wants to remain a part of history because he's irrelevant where he is yeah, now. So, and I was thinking and about that as well. It's like it's okay that uh, I mean it makes sense that the archaeologists should get to touch history. Yeah. But it should have been done in a much more subtle yeah, way. Yeah, it was very very odd how it was handled and it was in broad daylight and it yeah. was like with the again like just the Roman ships with their ballistas and one it was very out of place. It was very yeah. strange. Yeah. Um you know uh, the episode of Black Books with mm-hmm. the with the wine. Yes. At the beginning, it starts with um, you know you see. Uh, Is that the one where he freezes a bottle of wine and then they smash it? No. And then they lick it like a lollipop. <laughs> t- no, no, no. I'm talking about the one where they have to look up their sort of house sitting, and they're completely drunk when they come oh, into right, house right. sit. And the guy yeah. says, "You can touch any of these wines over here, but not these expensive wines." Right, 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 and right. Manny right, right. gets it yeah. the other way around. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment at the beginning of the episode where there's like a very cheap-looking shot of a of a of an abbey of a church or whatever right. it is. And there's a monk running across the lawn, and he's going, Abbe, Abbe, Abbe. Right, right, right. That was what it felt like watching Archimedes and his, what were they, interns? I don't know, like (laughs) running at him, you know. Um, Somebody said when the Three Musketeers came out in 1993, the Disney mm -hmm. version, that the kids have been playing in in the costume chest. Right, that yeah. was that. That was the review, and I right. and I remember it very vividly because I was so excited when that movie came out. I was ten years old, and I read that review, and I thought, "What?" And to be honest, the you know, there's there is a a point to that in that it's it's very much kind of a period movie with a modern sensibility. Yeah, and everybody, all the like Chris O'Donnell's talking with his and Kiefer Sutherland speaking with American accents. D'Artagnan. It's basically uh, Young Guns Light. Yeah. Um. But uh. But like that's, I I would say that that is way more authentic than what we saw in this yeah. movie because now I'm looking at it and I'm going, oh. 
They're back in the costume chest again. <laughs> it was it was very off-putting. It was very yeah. weird. And then Helena just like turns around and punches him. Yeah. And it cuts Knocks to black. And, and then suddenly they're back in 1969. Yeah. You don't see any struggle of getting back to the past or getting yeah, sorry. They, get, nothing getting, was getting back to the future. <gasps> but like, there's no nothing is earned. Um, yeah. And then suddenly, <laughs> Marion walks through the door. And for some reason, tell me if you picked up on this. Mm. Did she have some kind of CG work done on her face? She looked a little fluid. I thought fluid. maybe, but I couldn't... Um... I was trying to like pick that out. And I felt that, that they did the same thing to Carrie maybe Fisher. Maybe some light airbrushing. Yeah, I think they did the same thing to Carrie Fisher as well in Force Awakens. Smooth out some of those wrinkles. Yeah, but the fact is, she's supposed to look her age. And they didn't do that to her in Crystal Skull. And I saw her on the red carpet... And she looks fucking great. So why do that? I don't because, get it. Because everything is a little bit touched up yeah. in this movie. Yeah. The other thing that I found a bit cringy. Mm. First of all, I I just want to point out there's a there's a scene on the on the boat mm. um, between Helena and Indy in the mm. middle of the movie when they were just before the dive, where he tells her what happened to Matt. Oh yeah. And I that affected me. I yeah, I that, thought that was good. That was he, he, he played that delivered very well. it fantastically well. And the the story is that uh, that she says to him, "If you could go back in time, where would you go? What would you do?" And he says, "I'd I'd go back to before my son enlisted, and I'd tell him not to go, and I'd uh, and I'd prevent him from uh, from dying, and I'd prevent my my wife from having so much pain that so much pain that she couldn't reconcile, and uh, and then she divorced me, and blah blah blah, and that you get that whole backstory in that in that one exchange that I thought was really really yeah. nicely done, and then you fast forward to 1969 at the end of the movie where Helena has kind of kind of parent trapped them kind of arranged for them to to she must to have meet. explained the situation yeah, and to, told her you yeah know, that he's you know he's coming out of his funk or whatever and he needs yeah. her and yeah whatever uh and then and then they reconcile and, and that's that's it so, oh well, that was easy um but like it the, felt very rushed it felt very rushed and it felt forced because the way that they reconcile is a replay of the scene from raiders where she says where he says where doesn't it hurt it's just completely unnecessary it's very we've contrived. had their happy ending we yeah. had their happy ending in the last one it's very contrived and and he kisses her in all the places it doesn't hurt here it doesn't hurt here all that stuff here and i i just i <sighs> I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. I didn't like it either. I yeah. didn't like the ending. I didn't like that. The thing on the hat, and then he pulls it in through the window. Yeah. I also didn't like. And then it's almost you hear John Williams doing a. Uh, he does like a um, um, a rearrangement. Not really a rearrangement. It's just a little bit slower than it than it has been in the past mm-hmm. of the uh, of the Raiders March. And I'm I'm looking at that, and they've done it. You know, the credits in the font of the. It's uh, slower because of the geriatric parade. No, it's just like a, the 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 pace is a, yeah. a tiny little bit slower. I mean, unless you unless you're like listening to it all the time, you would notice. And then the the font is the the Raiders font from the title sequence mm-hmm. of Raiders and uh, Last Crusade and Crystal Skull, and uh, and it's kind of saying to you, hey, that was an Indiana Jones movie, and I'm going, it didn't really yeah, feel like it, an though? it didn't really feel like an Indiana Jones movie for most of it, um, and with that, I've got to say it was kind of disappointing. I'm not going to cry myself to sleep over it. But uh, because you know, I, this was kind we, of we kind of we we we, we, we didn't want to go in with um, any high hopes, expectations. But yeah. At the same time, the build up to it, and we really wanted it to be good. Yeah, we wanted it to be a good film, whether or not it was a, uh, a good like Indiana a, Jones. Yeah, it it uh, was another story. But um, I just I felt like it was very much tied to the to the past he even says that he drank the blood of kali and he was tortured by voodoo mm-hmm. and uh, blah 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 like there's there's like callbacks to the past that are unnecessary because unnecessary. he's already said i've seen things that yeah. i can't explain right. like that 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 is the only callback you need right. there's a point at which if you are a filmmaker like james mangold you need to look at a script like that and say 
is this going to work? Is this necessary? Do I really need to do this? I mean, obviously, the I, I think I, what I got from him in the interviews, uh, you know, in the press junket was that obviously he was, you know, kind of like J.J. Abrams taking on Star Wars. He was extremely honored to be given the chance and he was like aching to direct a, an mm-hmm. Indiana Jones movie and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there's a huge, huge risk factor that um that you know didn't really pay off in my opinion but uh, but that's just me i agree with you yeah i mean i'm sure that a lot of people will enjoy the movie and it is enjoyable in part it's not it's not a dumpster fire it's not a dumpster fire um but i mean i knew i knew that there was a chance that i would come out of this movie going i would prefer to be watching crystal skull and that's why i hate happened. to see it yeah, but that's what it is. Yeah. Um, I don't want to watch Crystal Skull. I want to watch uh, Raiders. Raiders or Last Crusade or Temple or Temple. Also, the Henry George Junior. Also, there was uh, the you know a- again going back to the to the CGI. It uh, it really put a damper on things. Yeah. Uh, there's also a shot where he's where he's running across the top of the train where it's a CGI stuntman. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole flashback sequence that wasn't necessary that we could have been told about it. Yeah, you know they didn't. Really we were need told to, about it. We, we were didn't told need to about see it. it. We didn't need to see it, and they de-aged him to I don't know fifty or something like that. Crystal Skull age. Yeah, or sixty. Yeah, something like that. The the problem is that we have reference for what he's supposed to look like when yeah. he's young and when he's sixty. I think I think that when you have somebody as famous as uh, Harrison Ford, who who you know people like us have been watching for our entire lives on the screen you know what the guy looks like you know what his mannerisms are yeah. and you 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 know what you're supposed to be seeing and and it just doesn't give you that so yeah. there's a, there's definitely something missing i would like to say to all of those people that uh the you know weren't bothered by the cgi i envy you because i was bothered by it and it took me out of probably you know what was probably a very very exciting well, opening look, this sequence is, this is what shosh says to me all the time yeah she says about cg and stuff yeah. when i when it bothers me she says the average person doesn't notice it the same way that we do yeah um you know and i think i don't know don't, how it's glaring in it, this it's movie. really really glare like i you you have to be able in in this case at least you have to be able to see that the facial muscles are not moving the way they're supposed to. Yeah, they're moving like flubber. Like flubber. A lot of times when you make something artistic and people who are not artists look at it and they say, I don't like it. And then you ask why and they can't give you an answer. They can't give you an answer. It's because they they don't see it with the critical eye that you do. But it doesn't mean that they're wrong. Right. And I think that when you say you're not bothered by it, it wasn't something you were really paying attention to. Right. But if you do know or you are bothered by those little details, it's extremely off-putting. Right. Anyway, that's There the... were definitely some good parts. Definitely, I don't yeah. recommend the movie, though. Yeah. Wait I'd... for it to come out on streaming. I would, I would say, yeah, wait for Disney+. Plus. But, uh, I mean, look... It's uh, to each their money. own. Yeah, to your each money. their own. <laughs> Just <laughs> no, throw, look, throw it in the. You know what? Yeah. Take your money, uh, put it in a barrel um, on the balcony, um, mm-hmm. pour some gasoline on it, and set it on fire. Um, and you'll probably have something more interesting <laughs> to look at. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. That was our review of that. Uh, join us again when we will talk about something else on a podcast that you might out. hear. Good night, Johnny. Good night. Bye. What's our seat number? I've been blessed with this body.